do you know whether there's anything being released in the cinema in the next week? Not really. Nothing new, I don't think. So, mm. I mean, I'll no, probably... I think not until Satan Ward. I don't think there's anything coming mm. out. There's that, nothing new. Um, that's an unlimited screening, uh, isn't it, Satan Ward? Yeah, yeah. I'll just have a quick butcher's suck. Yeah, just see. having a quick look. Uh, Tenet, Bill and Ted, New Mutants, Broken Hearts Gallery, Mamma Mia. And, ooh, Sharon, your favourite, After We Collided. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word, the audience in my area are terrible. Oh, okay, I just tried to look at Coventry. Tenet, After We Collided, Bill and Ted, The New Mutants, Onward, mm. The Broken Hearts Gallery, Unhinged, Emma, The Lighthouse. Give me something new! Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the, sh <laughs> the podcast that is getting increasingly, increasingly worried about the second part of our title. So, <laughs> my name is Tosin and I am your host, based up in Coventry in the Midlands. Joining me on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. Yes, now, um, we were just talking about us being a bit worried about the second part of our title, so Netflix vs. Cinema. And this um, came about, well, it it comes about because of the obvious coronavirus crisis that we're having at the moment. But also, but it was brought into sharp relief because this week, uh, our fan, super fan Nina, one of, a listener of the show, went to the cinema, went to see Bill and Ted's, <coughs> Bill and Ted face the music, and sent me a picture of an empty cinema where she was the only one in there. And she, she just said, I don't know how this is sustainable. I think they are going to go under. Bearing in mind that she works in kind of like the consultancy field where they do a lot of market research and all that kind of stuff, it, 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 it's worrying. And um, just before we started recording, my wife came in here, crashed the podcast to say hello to the two of you, just like uh, Sharon's mum came and crashed onto the podcast to say hello to all of us. <laughs> we, do, we do love these little interruptions. They are great. And um, yeah, and they... And my wife said that uh, she was reading that Cineworld in the last six months have lost, what was it, £1.3 billion? Pounds? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that isn't sustainable, those sort of losses, is that, are they? Yeah. and, and, to, and I've noticed this... that there are fewer and fewer staff when you go. When you do go, there are fewer and fewer staff. I mean, I used to see half a dozen people sort of bustling about. Now you see two, three tops. Mm. So and... they're cutting their cloth a little bit, aren't they, already? Yeah, and, yeah. and if, if that wasn't bad enough, if that wasn't bad enough, it's like in the in the week where all this happens, we hear about this loss that Cineworld has made. We now hear that a whole raft of big movies, big, like, you know, the ones that would have been blockbusters, that would have been blockbuster season, have postponed their release dates from 2020 to, from 2020 to 2021 at the very earliest. These are films that had already been postponed and are now getting even more postponed. So the big one is Black Widow from the MCU. Black Widow's going back. West Side Story is going back. Death on the Nile is going back. <laughs> well, that's still well, it's still set, it's later for this year, but it's it's. Um, I think No Time to Die is still aiming for this year, but there's a whole bunch of films that are being pushed back. So the films that cinemas would have hoped would have enticed people into the into the cinema are just not going to be there. So. What do you guys think? Could be the, uh, <laughs> this could be the this could be the end of um, cinema on the island, maybe. I mean, because Cine, I did as I say, like I said, you, I was listening to radio. I listened to Radio Four in the mornings, and they have like on the Fridays they have like from about uh, half six till quarter to seven. They they talk about all the you know the finances and stuff, and they said that Cineworld was in in trouble before before the lockdown, but they're even yeah. in more trouble now. So. Yeah, I, I, I doesn't look good for them. Doesn't look good for them. So, and if that cine world goes, I don't know how the one in Ryder do, but we'd, we'd be stuck for a cinema, won't we, Sharon? Yeah, well, it'd be back to the days before they built cine, cine world because cine there world, used to yeah. be a two-screen cinema in Newport High Street, uh, mm -hmm. Studio One, and then there was the cinema at Ride. Ride, yeah. And so when Studio One closed at the, at the, for a long time, the only cinema on the island was Ride, which is a, one of those vintage old bingo halls that was converted into cinema. Yeah. And yeah. there were, they'd have pop-up film clubs, like a, the theatre would do them at Medina. And every now and then you'd get a, an event where someone would do a pop-up cinema. So I think yeah. if Cineworld closed, then we would be back to, you know, Medina, 
theatre. We'd have to open one ourselves, Sharon, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd have, have to, to do our own pop up cinema. Some idea. We'd have to do a cinema somewhere. Yeah, I mean that that is the that is the the opportunity that's here. I mean, uh, sure enough, the idea that Senior World is going to go under, and um, if we want to bring it bring it home, because we all had friends who worked at the Senior World on the Isle of Wight, mm -hmm. and the fact that there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to lose their jobs that is that is. It, yeah. On a human, on the human level, it's terrible. On the human level, it's it's horrible. And the worst thing is that I just can't see a way around it. <laughs> to be no. quite frank with you, I, I mean, you can't really keep something open that doesn't have the the main reason for it being there, which is these big summer blockbuster tent poles, is just not there. And yeah. so you you can't really have something going on like that. Um, and I have, but, yes, sorry, Karen, sure. No, I was just going to say I have noticed that when I have been, and I have been sort of consistently I think every the longest I've not been since we've reopened is two weeks so yeah. I've been nearly every week and then sometimes twice a week um, since it's been reopened and I have noticed that there are not the people in the cinemas they're just not no. in there are they yeah and I'm at, go at different times I tend to go sort of sometimes two times sometimes later but I've noticed that even films I thought would be busy like Bill and Ted there are only yeah a couple of people yeah it's um, the same it's the same really so it's it's unsustainable, it isn't is it? Sad. Because I mean, they got, I don't they've, want to they've got to pay way. wages and yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've uh, noticed that there are there are fewer staff in there definitely because yeah. you used to see the same familiar faces, didn't you? And when right. I haven't been buying, you know, drink or anything before I go in, I've just been going in. There's only one person on the door, and mm. we haven't had the person who comes in to make sure that you're not recording the film. <laughs> Normally they would come in, wouldn't they? Look about, That's walk it. up the steps yeah. just to check. And then go out again. That person has not been doing that, so I don't quite know. They're like, we don't care if you um, record the film as long as you come. Yeah, just come. I think <laughs> I buy there's, some there's popcorn, a... but I haven't been buying yeah. snacks and stuff because I don't like taking no. my mask off. I actually on my on my email they've sent me one saying I'll get a free popcorn next time I go. So but oh, I've got well, to that's... use it within seven days. So you might have yeah. one as well. Do you get emails from them, Sharon? Do I do. You? Yeah, I haven't yeah. had one so... yet, but I'll have a look. But it says, uh, yeah, it said about free popcorn. And um, they've got a few unlimited showings, I think, of a couple of movies. Yeah, there's an so, unlimited one coming up. St. Maud, yeah. but I don't know what that's about. Uh, that's been getting really... That was that was one of the films that was making a lot of, making a bit of a splash before uh, lockdown hit. And it, I think it's a small indie film. Uh, mm. I yeah, I think it's, it's, she, she's like a, a carer or something that's a nun, but she's a bit of a... She's one of these people... From what I, from from the trailer, and it's not a spoiler of the trailer, but she's like one of those. I mean, I don't know if they call them flagellants. I know flagellants use it, but it's like oh, she's yeah, religious. Yeah, yeah. But she she really really hurts herself because she puts like shredded glass in her shoes and things. Oh, so, okay. You know, like those. That's that's in the trailer, so that's yeah. not a spoiler. But yeah. um, and and so it'd be like because you did used to get that, didn't you? I think it was was it Thomas Beckett. He used to wear a. a Hair shirt, hair, or under, and hair shirt under his stuff, so it's, it's to like mortify the flesh. Okay, yeah, okay, 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 guys, Thanks, guys, please, please, <laughs> oh, to, yeah, please. mortify the flesh. <laughs> oh, we gotta oh, stop. Right. Oh, good lord. Okay. Uh, the so back of, I think the back of my thighs are going funny. Lord is about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Yeah. So yeah, cinemas. <laughs> so it, it, we don't. Uh, we, we hope it. Uh, okay, so. And also to add to the problem of the cinemas, and almost as if it's like uh, we have all these things popping up this week, we, <laughs> the three of us, have seen nothing in the cinema. In, in, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen nothing in the cinema. I mean, well, in my case, it's because, oh, in my case, it's because everything in the cinema how we've either already spoken about on the show. Mm -hmm. I was planning to go see Broken Hands Gallery last night, but I was tired, <laughs> and, and yes. there was just. There was just nothing new that I was like, oh, there's, there's, there's actually nothing there for me to go see. I knew that there was some stuff on the on the island that you guys um, could have seen, but life. Life, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we talked about going to see that one with Javier Bardem, didn't we? Last yeah, week, we did. That, that didn't happen. Yeah. No. Again, no, that life. Didn't happen. Yeah. Life, so, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm trying to think what it was. It just, just stuff goes on, doesn't it? It's just yeah. like, you know, and it's, anyway. Yeah. yeah. We so, have to see. So I mean, we'll have to see, and the the, I mean, the fact that all these blockbusters are moving back makes me think we. I think we've been enjoying the smaller films in the cinema over the while. Like you mm. know, Sean, you were talking yeah. about Savage last week, and yeah, um, yeah, you were talking about Savage last week. Things like Broken Hands Gallery, things that we probably wouldn't have paid any attention to. 
we've been enjoying them. The problem is that we don't think that those films are going to keep cinemas open or are going to keep a chain no, like Cineworld open. No. As much as we love them and as long as we love the smaller films being having sent a front and center, we don't think that they're, they're going to keep the cinemas open. So on the show in which we usually go to the cinema, watch three things, rate them out of five, stay at home, watch the three things on Netflix or Friends, rate them out of five, and then see who's won this week. It's a little bit of a downbeat week. (laughs) Maybe maybe we could come up with an idea of, um, I mean, I don't know, we couldn't all do the stream and stuff, but, you know, like Netflix versus Disney versus iPlayer versus Yeah, that um, podcast already exists. Oh, does it? No, Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course it does. It's called Netflix versus everyone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah and and we didn't do it so oh no. but now we'll figure something out oh i'm more worried about cinemas than i'm worried about us so yeah. it's um but so what we're going to do this week is that we're just going to go through the things that we have seen at home the things that would have gone up against whatever we've seen at cinema and it just did it so uh <laughs> so we are going to go through enola holmes which you sharon saw on netflix yes a new ne- release yeah, the new release. One of those ones that comes up as a banner on my when I As log into my. You account. might be interested in this. You are not interested yeah. in it, but we have made this, and we want you to know that we've made this, so, so you yeah, can watch it's it. Like we're just going to push everything else out of the way, <laughs> and we're just going to keep on going. Watch this until uh, you watch it. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, more to more to come about that in the film that I saw this week. So um, we have Gridiron Gang. Sean, you saw this. I saw this, yeah. I saw this on Sky, one of the that, Sky Cinema, Sky Action, or whatever one it was. That's the rock film, isn't it? That's the rock film, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Rock. I mean, it's, it's quite an old film, I think. It's quite it is an old quite film, old. Think, it's, you know? It is quite old. I was, I was surprised that you hadn't seen it already. Yeah, I, well, I was surprised really, but it just happened to be on, and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. So, because I've seen most most American football movies, but I've, I've yeah. never I'd never seen this one. So, yeah. So, so yeah. then. Then I saw Social Dilemma on Netflix, which is one of the big Netflix things. Netflix every now and then. I'll, I'll talk more about it when I get to talk about this, about the Netflix blockbuster. Uh, then, Sharon, you saw Ghost Seasons 2. And Sharon, Sharon yep. we're going to end up with The Public, which you saw. Uh, that was on Sky Cinema, yes. And okay. also I watched, on, a, on about Netflix, I saw Extraction, because that was like yeah, that extraction. Was like one of the first ones. Extraction, yeah. Extraction. Yeah, Chris I think, Hemsworth. That's, again, Chris one Hemsworth, that keeps yeah. popping up on mine. I thought, and I keep ignoring it, going, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I thought you would like I, you like Chris, Chris Hemsworth though don't you I do but not don't enough you? to watch everything he's in oh, I've right, got okay. to want to watch it as well yeah but uh, we, we reviewed Extraction already <laughs> oh did we yeah yeah we yeah, did right, okay. yeah I saw, well, I saw it that, saw it. Yeah, that's okay. when, when I, I got my I got in touch with my Bangladeshi comp- correspondent Simon Chowdhury oh, that's right yeah you did you did yeah 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 okay <laughs> and said uh, how accurate is this alright cool so let's go to Netflix oh well the only place we're going this week and uh, let's kick off with Enola Holmes so Sharon tell us Enola Holmes seven Enola minutes Holmes. go Enola for Enola Holmes yeah it's a Netflix original well so they say uh, or a co-production and it basically is Enola Holmes is Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes's younger sister and it's based on a I don't know if it's a graphic novel or a comic type book strip but anyway Enola Holmes has been raised by her mother who's not estranged from her two sons but they have a distant relationship the two sons have grown up and gone away they went to university then they've sort of gone on with their lives Sherlock has developed his detecting skills and Mycroft is in government Mm. and so Enola has been left basically in the charge of her mum and the film starts basically on the eve of her 16th birthday when she wakes up one morning to find that her mother is gone. And for the first time in more than 10 years, both of her brothers return to find out what has happened to their mother. And they have their own ideas of what Enola should now do for her future. And one of the things that Enola has been raised to do is to be an independent thinker Mm. and that she's to be a new generation of women who isn't bound by what their elder male relatives decide what they do, that they are making their own choices and they're making their own paths. So Enola obviously is not happy just to do what her older brothers say. And she wants to find out where her mother's gone and why her mother has just disappeared without, seemingly without trace. So so she develops her own detective skills because of her unusual education and she tries to find out what's happened to her mum. And in the process of doing that, she she encounters a mystery of a missing 
um, young Viscount, or he's a Viscount and he's a Marquess, and he has gone missing, and everyone's looking for him, and she believes she has stumbled into part of that mystery. So as she tries to forge her own path, she also starts to unearth these two mysteries that run almost like parallel to each other. Mm. The mystery of her missing mum and the mystery of the missing Viscount. Mm. All right, okay, so this is the second Sherlock or Sherlock Holmes universe to use today's parlance um, thing to give Sherlock and Mycroft a younger sister. <laughs> Bro, like, because Sherlock oh, did it. Oh, is it? Right. Yeah, because in the Benedict Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman oh, show Sherlock, right. they ended up giving her, giving them a younger sister who was like, you know, meant was was Hannibal Lecter was it was pretty much Hannibal Lecter oh. and then now they've, <laughs> they've, and now they've covered they've, they've given her a dollar a dollars and I, I think this but this I think skews a bit more young adult like a sort of a young adult yes. fantasy novel kind of thing so if how, I knew oh, nothing about it that's the impression I got that this was aimed at a, at a tween teen young adult audience all right, so um, for, for what did you think? Do you think it worked? Do you think um, parachuting in a younger sister, having this whole thing, bringing Helena Bolum Carter to be a mum that only the the, uh, the kind of mum that only Helena Bolum Carter could play? So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? How do you think it worked? But if, yeah, bear in mind I'm not the target audience. It may come as a shock and a surprise to some, but I'm not a tween, teen, or young adult. Um, it. I find it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was. She has. She does do the whole breaking the fourth wall thing where she dresses the camera at different points throughout the film. So yep. you start off and she immediately dress. So you do stay engaged with it because she is she's talking to you throughout the film at different points in the story, and and yeah, I just thought it was as entertaining. It was two hours long. It's a a film, so you can watch it. Or it's not like a six part episode where you're just thinking, oh. I'm too old for this. <laughs> I did think that you can. <laughs> it was, it was entertaining. So yeah, I think it did what it set out to do, which was to be to, to drag that Sherlock interested audience down a generation, mm-hmm. to to sort of swap genders, but to give uh, the young female protagonist, you know, the the best lines, the most. Yeah. The sort of she can outwit and outfox both of her brothers, and she can spot. The, she can solve the mystery, you know, better uh, than Sherlock. She's out Sherlocking Sherlock in some ways. So ooh. yeah, I think it does. <laughs> it delivers what it sets out to do, and it was it was fun. It was there's sort of humour in it. There's I don't know if there's much peril in it, but there's certainly action. There's fighting and jumping about and dressing yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, because think, I think that that is the bit of it that actually that I think interests me the most. The idea that you're going to uh, obviously. She's doing all this, all a whole bunch of things that in the actual historical period she would not have been allowed to do because she's a There's woman. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because she's. But I actually do quite like this the, this recent stream that we've been having, where people are almost kind of like doing a revisionist history. They know that it isn't accurate. They know you know it isn't accurate. But it's almost as if they're saying, yeah. "But wouldn't it have been great if this was allowed to happen? Wouldn't it have been great if, like, yeah." yeah. Yeah, like, and they have a lot of um, we saw this with David Copperfield where they have a was, lot of I was just gonna ethnicity. Say that, yeah. They just don't care about that. ethnicity, about some actors. They cast the people they like into it. So you get people you think, I'm not sure that you would get someone of that ethnicity in that role at that time. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because we're not in that like that age anymore. So you know you don't even notice it really, other than thinking Yeah. Yeah, because... you've got you the first thing, okay, they're gonna they're they're just ignoring History. Ethnicity when it comes to casting, <laughs> and they're just going to cast how they want. So uh, you got yeah, but we know that now. Yeah, and I, I think I, I quite like it when it's done properly. I mean, I like it when you have the revisionist thing. I say that you, you had David Copperfield. We had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but there's times when it does go bad, like Netflix's TV series Hollywood. That went bad. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Some that things just bad. don't work. That, that went so bad. Yeah. I mean, you could see that they were trying to do a revisionist. Oh, wouldn't it have been good if this happened if people weren't discriminated against because they were black or because they were gay? But you're like, oh, my God, you just insulted everybody that lived through that. And uh, so <laughs> so how many stars would you give Enola Holmes? So I would give a strong, yeah, strong three. I think one of, um, I find this younger, maybe I would give it higher. But for watching it as my sort of generation watching it i would give it a good yeah solid three it's entertaining you can come into it without having to know any background 
and yeah it was it was two hours not badly spent cool good stuff a solid three and now we carry on to oh guess what no cinema we're going back to netflix again oh wow who, who <laughs> there's a surprise there's a oh, surprise yeah, it's, it's totally surprise total surprise oh my god uh, this is grit iron gang that sean saw so well yeah. um, so what do we need to know besides dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> american football is there a prison in this as well i can't remember <laughs> Yeah, it's like a. Oh, you've seen it, yeah. It's no, like I, have, a, I haven't it's, seen it, but oh. I remember. I remember when it was released. Yeah, it's basically it's like a young offenders. So yeah, it's 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 in an institution, but it's a it's a young offenders institution. So it's it's like a lot of gang culture. It's based on a true story of a coach, and um, you know that he, he tries to to get these people to to, to mailed as a as a football team, American football team. Mm-hmm. Um, so similar to, I mean, it had elements of elements of i guess younger version of mean machine mixed with um uh remember the titans so it's this yeah it's, yeah, yeah yeah i don't know those two films see both them so yeah anyway it's so there's all the usual tropes in it of you know like uh, these gang members they're like obviously from opposite gangs and they're in this young offenders institute and he tries to bring them together and then there's a lot of outside influences um but obviously in the end you know, they start off as a uh, you know, ragtag individuals. Bunch of... <laughs> yeah, ragtag bunch of individuals that you know get get it handed to them in a couple of games, and they all start to get. And then the good old Rock, you know, like he is, he's, he like whips them into shape, you know, and then they become yeah. like like uh, top, um, you know, like like a really good team. They start winning, they start getting confidence in themselves, and and as I say, there's like this subplot where there's some outside gang members that, that that come to one of the games and try to cause a little bit of trouble. Yeah. And so, and a member of the opposite gang sort of, uh, well, there's this, that, and the other sort of happens anyway. So, so yeah, there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of a sort of bit of action in it. A lot of football, which I really, really like. It's really funny with American football films. I think they transfer really, really well to the cinema yeah. because, yeah. and soccer, soccer films or sorry British football films real football <laughs> real football yeah real football it does, just doesn't seem to just yeah. doesn't seem to, to to work well in in cinema I don't think and on film yeah. but, um, Escape to Victory oh, yeah wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was Sylvester Stallone in goal wasn't it I seem yeah. to remember yeah, 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 yeah. with great big metal boots I'm just trying to think yeah. my brain's for a football film but <laughs> me that's and I can't the, think of any <laughs> and the Vinnie Jones version of Mean Machines was awful so I mean yeah. <laughs> well I, 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 think, that, I think it's I think it's I think we've had this discussion before about how sports yeah we have yeah yeah sorry to America, yeah. American sports translate quite well to film and the thing is like if you if you watch an American I don't watch much American football but when you watch a, an American football game it, the, even the way it's shot and the way it's filmed, it looks like it could be a film. So you could take some yeah. scenes directly from an American football game, put because it's made for TV, it's made to be shown. It's not made to be watched in the stadium so much as I think it's made to be watched on TV. And uh, yeah. so I think that translates quite well. They figured out how to make it cinematic. And same thing with um, same thing with basketball. And the the football films that have worked are when they don't focus on the football. You're not focusing on what's happening on the on the pitch. You're focusing on what it means to the people in the stands, yeah. and and that's when a football film, uh, like a, a real football film, works. But it's it, mean, it, it's quite. But it, it's funny because what you're saying, the the storyline of this, it could be Coach Carter, it could be the Mighty Ducks, it could be it could everyone. Be the, yes. Yeah, remember the be, Titans, oh, the bad news, be, bad news bears, bad news bears. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 yeah, it's the general story. But one of my favorite, one of my top films, one of my favorite films is a film called Any Given Sunday. And I mean, oh yes, although there's actually on the field, there's there's just so much off it, and I, and I like all that sort of that off, you know, that off field sort of politics and yeah. You know what's going on. And, well, it was and, it was I mean, Oliver Stone. He wasn't going to make a Oliver straight Stone. football film. <laughs> no, no, that's that's true. Have you ever seen that, Sharon? Just out of interest. Yes, I have. It. It's a good film. That one. Yeah, I have seen oh, it anyway. on a given Sunday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. So, I think it was only yeah. when I saw that film that I realised that in American football they actually stop the game for adverts. I didn't oh, know yeah, that. Happened. Yeah, definitely. They have a little <laughs> so man. Thought, that comes that's up. just unbelievable to me that you would stop when... the game so you could have an advert. <laughs> And then you'd restart they, the game again. It's like, yeah. why don't you well, just play want... for your 50 minutes or whatever? 
you can see if you ever go to a game, they have it's really, really strange because they have a man with a little red glove on, like when they want a TV timeout, and he steps onto the sideline and he puts his hand out in like a karate chop motion, and then they go <laughs> and they stop the game, and that's when they have the TV timeout. So, but it's yeah. just funny because he's like a little, a little chap, but he's got his big red glove on, and he just yeah, goes <laughs> like that's that. just unbelievable, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I mean, I well, guess that's well, where all the money is. Well, it's, it's where all the money is. So essentially, most sports stars who can earn millions nowadays, it's because of TV. That's yeah. why they can. That's why they can. Um, they can earn that much. So in tennis, you know, in tennis, when you, you know, we have the changeover where they play yeah. an, an odd number of games. They go and sit down. That's yeah. for TV yeah. adverts. That's mm. why. Or, is that's it really? why, that's why it originally came up. The, the sit-down was because of TV. So they used to play quite quickly. And then when TV got involved, TV was like, can we slow them down? We're not keeping people around long enough for them to actually watch adverts for us to sell them stuff. So they went, okay, cool. So uh, they'll sit down for a while and then they're going to sit. It's not because the players are tired. It's, it's, it's they, So they'll sit down. At the, okay. But obviously, or most, of the, most of the tennis you watch in this country, which is mostly Wimbledon, you don't have adverts yeah. on the BBC, so you don't see the adverts. But internationally, you go to America, mm. once they sit down, boom, buy extra, buy sprint gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that's, what, that's what you get. But anyway, so Sean, we're talking about Gridiron Gang. So what we do you think about yes. this? How many stars do you give it? I, I always go for a tangent. Okay, well, it's nothing. I mean, I've seen you exactly right when we were saying, like, you know, Bad News Bears, all those other films. So, yeah, I mean, it's worth, I'll, I'll give it a three stars, but that's for, because it's, it's, it was, you know, I didn't dislike it. I, I quite enjoyed it, but it's it's very samey like a, a lot of other films. There wasn't anything. They didn't go the extra mile. So, so yeah, so this would get a three star. All right, cool, cool. So three star, uh, what, what a lovely week. No cinema and three <laughs> stars across the board. Ah, <laughs> yay. Yeah, life is great. <laughs> life is great. <laughs> Okay, and now we go back to uh, yeah once again Netflix, and but this is actually proper Netflix, the social dilemma, and now I uh, this made what this whole thing has made me think about a new. It's almost as if Netflix has come up with its own version of the blockbuster because over over um, lockdown we've had a couple of things that Netflix has done that get an incredible an incredible amount of buzz and everybody starts talking about them and starts sharing it on Facebook and they start doing all these things and. The and it's as if Netflix has its own blockbusters. So you have like the Tiger King and all that. So you have the things that Sean, as you say, and as you have lamented before, that they ha- they give a director a whole bunch of money to make something, and Netflix doesn't care whether it's good or bad. All they care is that it makes people get Netflix accounts. And but every now and then they seem to actually put some money behind something that is good and probably wouldn't get made without Netflix. So the social dilemma. This this is a documentary and it kicks off. I have all these people being sat down to be interviewed as they as is now kind of like it's a way a lot of documentaries start. You have them sat down while they're getting themselves over the game, their microphones attached, and they they start giving you like you know their tagline saying this person was the head of development of Facebook, this person was the head of growth at Facebook, this person did this on Instagram, this person did this on Pinterest, and the whole idea behind it is that they're talking about the fact that social media is not this benign thing that just sits there but social media is engineered and you have people behind it who have figured out a way to pretty much hack human brains and to hack human behavior to make these this thing be as addictive as possible and there all these people who used to work with them and who used to build these things like one of them was like i'm i'm the guy i'm the co-creator of the like button on facebook so his whole idea is that I, I oh, wow. yeah, he's like I, I, I create and he and they talk about all the sort of psychology that went behind all the different things they do on social media, and almost all of them go and now it's bad. Now it's gotten out of hand. There's actually one of the, the guy who co-created the like button. He was like, when we came up with the like button, we thought it was just going to be something fun to bring people together that you know just share love as everybody said. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's really really good. We never for one second envisioned or thought that all these teenagers would be sitting around stressing about the fact that they're not getting enough likes and doing more yeah. and more stuff to get even even more likes. It was like we did not see this coming. We did it we we didn't figure this out. And the the run the through the through line through it is that when you use it on your phone 
that every single time you use social media on your phone, it's essentially just gathering data on you. And there's all this AI behind it that's figuring out how to keep you using all the social media things. And they're saying this has to stop. This is bad. All the things that we're seeing nowadays, like the polarization, the fact that um, Russia interfered in a in a um, in like American elections, is because Facebook has figured out how to make you do stuff. And they have all these interludes, all these active interludes, where they have um, somebody's using this phone, and then they sort of almost go into behind the phone, and you have like this different AIs. You have like the advertising AI, you have like the engagement AI, you have the growth AI, and they're talking to you. They're going, "Oh my God, he's not using it. He stopped using. It. He only uses it for five seconds. What do we do? What do we do? Send him some of this. Send him some of that. Oh, he really liked that person's post. Give him that. Give him that. Give him that." And it talks about how things become an echo chamber and all that. And it's a good thing, but there's a sense of me that thinks, "Well, duh." <laughs> because <laughs> because I'm like what did you think was happening it was if somebody gives you something for free what do you think is happening and they talk about the fact that um uh people talk about you know the product but now people are the product and people's behavior is the product and we were just talking about how uh, money decided when you have like advert breaks in American football and in tennis so the yeah. changeover and it's essentially the similar thing that's happened with social media how when money came into it it's all about advertising and sending advertising and figuring out how you can best add and so a lot of these people in it have become uh have become activists not against social media but for changing the way social media works because they say look social media is not just something that just sits there and social media is there's people who are telling it what to do there's people who have set it up and said, do this to achieve this aim. And so they saying we need to change it. And they're almost asking for like a revolution to come about because they think that the way it's going, all it does is that it creates echo chambers that polarize people more and more. And one of them, is, they say, where do you see this ending? And he was like, civil war. He says, simple, that's the way I see it. And then I feel like we're just going to have a civil war because there's because people are going to be all over the place, all over the shop. So now, and I think it's a very, very good documentary. It puts its, its points across really, really well. I think, as always, at Netflix documentaries, like when they did the Fire Festival one, they have very engaging speakers who can very who can make the points very succinctly. And but there's also a bit of me that feels like that, I'm not sure if this is clever or if this is if this is nefarious. But it's like Netflix. Netflix works on the principle that the very documentary that Netflix has just made is bemoaning. So, Sharon, you were talking about the fact that you, you switch Netflix on and it goes, Enola Holmes! Watch Enola Holmes! Don't you want to watch this? How about extraction? <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, this top off. Don't you want to watch that? <laughs> and, and the and, thumbnails are normally geared to, like, you've watched this before, so look at this! Exactly. So, so Netflix has an AI. Netflix has an algorithm. Netflix wants to keep you watching. Netflix is giving money to directors and doesn't care whether what they make is good or bad. Oh, it it doesn't care whether it makes whether it make, whether it makes it good or bad. All it cares is that it means that you will go and get a Netflix account because you want to see this person's film that's only available on Netflix, and that is exactly what they're talking about. Like they 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 say they were talking about fake news. They they have a there's a big section about this about fake news, and they say, well, the problem is Facebook doesn't know what's fake and what's real. Facebook has no way of knowing whether something is true or not. They. All the, the only metric that they have is, oh, are people liking it? Are people ex- engaging with it? If they're engaging with it, well, I guess it must be true. And so that's how face, fake news gets propagated because as one of the guys says, fake news spreads six times faster than real news. So yeah. so I, I just find it really, really funny. And I'm not sure whether Netflix is playing with us or whether Netflix is aware of this, that the very principle that Netflix works on is what this documentary is complaining about. And it's only <laughs> available on Netflix. So... <laughs> so yeah. So I we might be getting trolled. Anyway, it's really good. I'll give it a four. But I, I but I know people were funnily enough, people were posting on this on Facebook going, This is why I deleted Facebook from my phone. And <laughs> some friends of mine do this. And I I'm thinking, yeah, but at the same time, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think was yeah. powering this? If you're watching something for free, if you're using something for free, it isn't for free. Someone's paying for it. What do you think they're getting for what they're paying for? <laughs> and, but uh, uh, but uh, it is quite funny because one of the things they say is that a lot of the people who work in social media will not let their children have mobile phones or will not let them have smartphones because they themselves, because they've been victim to it, know how addictive it can get. And yeah. just 
Yeah, and just to round off, there was a quote that I absolutely loved. I can't remember who said it, but it comes up in the documentary, and they say there's only two industries in the world that describe their that describe their their clients or the customers as users, and that is the drug industry. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the drug industry and social media, and I was like, oh, that's I like that. That's pretty cool. So yeah, four out of five for the social media for the social dilemma. Um, and if you have no questions, I will move on. <laughs> and I'll say, and now we go back to Ghost season two. So I believe this was on BBC iPlayer. Was that Sharon? BBC iPlayer. Yeah, they've they've the first episode of the second season that has been shown on the television. But you can, if you are a fan, go onto the iPlayer and watch the whole season. Okay. Uh, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a huge comedy fan. You know, some people um, they just love watching comedies. I, I, I don't really. But over the last ten years, I think two of the best comedies I've seen in the last thirty years have both been BBC Four originally. Um, one was Detectorists. Yep. I can't praise it enough. And the other one is Ghosts. <laughs> which I just love. So they're the two, in the literally I would say probably in the last 10, 15 years, they're the only two comedies that I, I have actually rated. Yeah. And I, I think they're both hilarious. And I, I, yeah, so Ghosts, season one, the premise is it's an ordinary couple from London. Um, they've threw one of these, I don't know if you ever watched daytime television, but there's a thing in, they used to be on in the morning. It's about um, estates that get, someone dies without leaving a will and then they trace their family tree and they go and find the people who air hunters it's called it's um they go to find the people they're related to and every show they do this enormous family tree and they say look this is the deceased this is their brothers and sisters they're their children and this is a person who's inherited <laughs> and they yeah. have that episode in the first episode of ghosts where this ordinary london couple suddenly they inherit this stately mansion because the last lady button the last owner of the house has died and so there's this couple from london who've just had ordinary jobs and just you know living their lives suddenly have thrown into this stately home that happens to be inhabited by about 20 ghosts <laughs> and when they first get there they don't notice anything and then one of the ghosts sort of accidentally on purposes pushes her out the window and she ends up waking up with the ability to see the ghosts she just has like this brain injury so she can see ghosts and so then she starts interacting with them and they, they sort of basically they sort of the first season is about how they, they come to learn to live with each other and so season two it starts off again with they're in the house and they're trying to make a way find a way of making the house pay or how they can generate an income to support a huge stately home with sort of like yeah. two wings and 50 bedrooms and 20 resident ghosts and they and each of the ghosts has its own sort of backstory and we're beginning to find out over the series what their backstories are how they ended up being stuck in the house or in the cellar because there's a, a plague pit in the cellar and you you find out about all that and they don't want to leave they, they're quite happy living together down there so <laughs> the ghosts in the cellar don't ever leave and they're experts at the electric so whenever there's electrician come down you see the electrician fiddling around and then one of these ghosts will say you need to move the red switch break because that's like the alternate breaker. And, they know and they're all like medieval peasants who, who understand, you know, the, the intricacies of the boiler. And whenever the boiler breaks down, she goes down there to translate and he's holding the torch and doing the work. She's in, and they're telling her what he has to do. Through, <laughs> like translates the ghost. So in this season, basically, yeah, they're trying to, they've, they've gone through different things in the first series of how to make money. They tried to rent it out as a film set. They've tried to turn it into a hotel. They've tried to, um, you know, use it as like a for tourists. Nothing works. One because the ghosts don't want them to, and then it just doesn't work. And this season they're starting off again. They're thinking, okay, wedding venue. They're going to make it a, <laughs> a, a boutique wedding venue. And some of the ghosts are like four, and others aren't. But yeah, they decide that that's what they're going to do for. That's the the theme through this season. And. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just a great. I just love it. I think it's so okay. funny. There's a few creepy moments, enough creepy moments for you to go. Actually, they are still ghosts. 
Yeah. Um, but then it's just it's just to me it's just laugh out loud funny all the way through. Uh, so so okay with with comedy I mean I, I there's a bit of me that hates this but I think a lot of it is all about uh, it's like you know if you know the people who are in it and if you feel that they can deliver on the premise so do is this does this have anybody in it that we would recognize? If you knew um, horrible histories you'd know it because a lot oh. of the people behind this are behind horrible histories. Oh, oh I'm sold. And, I'm sold. That's all you need to tell me. <laughs> yeah. But there's Simon Farnaby. Some people know him. He's yes. in Detectorists. He's in it. Uh, Matthew Boynton, I think, is his name. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's yeah those, are, those are horrible histories, people. They, they yeah, also they're, did. They're all written by horrible histories, yeah. Um, yeah. They also did. Yonderland. Oh, yes, Yonderland. They did Yonderland as well. And Simon yeah. Farnaby, if anybody's wondering who that is, he was the. Um, how shall we say the 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 Randy security guard in Paddington's one and two? Yeah, oi! And with a red mug. <laughs> yeah, then... with a red mug. Yeah. It's like stop that sexy nun. <laughs> yeah, he'd always like take a before running after them. Yeah, <laughs> his mug of tea. But yeah, there's some great moments in it where there's um, yeah, some of the yeah, there's just some great moments. One of because. They think the, one of the premises behind Ghost was they're saying all these haunted houses have like really whenever you go to them, they have really romantic like the white the grey lady or they have the mm. and their ghosts are like really slightly lame. <laughs> so they've got like um, they've got a caveman who's been around for like five thousand years, and he's obsessed with like bums. So we hear everything he's like oh bum, and or and he can make lights go funny. So he's like going oh makes the light flicker. And there's another lady who's burnt at the stake, but she doesn't like to talk about it. There's another, um, there's a boy scout leader who's been shot through the neck with an arrow. And there's this, uh, they're just, <laughs> so he walks around with this neck, through, this arrow through his neck the whole time. And this, this one, the first time they see him, he's like, how did you die? And he just goes like, ping, ping. <laughs> I don't know. What's that again on my neck? <laughs> just, just joking. And yeah, so this, yeah, they are. They're not your typical sort of romanticized, you know. Oh, they're grey lady. Their grey lady is like a really grumpy Edwardian lady who got pushed out of a window by her homosexual husband <laughs> when she caught him with the gardener and the uh. the undertaker. Or something. She caught him with two men anyway, and he um he just pushed her out the window. <laughs> so every night at nine o'clock, she goes George and gets pushed out the window. And at one scene, she says, "I've never told anyone this, but I believe my husband." you know, pushed me out the window. And they'd say, yeah, we know we were here. We saw it all. <laughs> <laughs> and all the ghosts were saying, yeah, yeah, we watched it. Yeah, we saw it happen. <laughs> so I think oh. I just makes me laugh the whole way through. And okay, this it's... one, yeah, this second season just makes me laugh. I love it. Uh, it's, it sounds quite good. Oh, how many stars would you give it? I would, oh, I want to give it five because to me, I just thought it was so funny. What? But I would say probably realistically, I'd give it a four. Because what? I think Sean, it may Sean. not... Sean, I don't know about you, but yes. I thought that was a died in the wool one. I mean, the way Sean was talking about it. That thought... <laughs> no, I was, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I think he's being sarcastic. No, you could tell you really enjoyed that. You were beaming. I did think it was so so you were like, I watched you the were whole like, thing. I, I don't, I don't think I've seen you that animated so, or happy and, about anything. Animated yeah. or happy about. I've seen something. the first oh, series because wow. there's only six yeah. episodes in the first series. There's only five episodes in the second, but I have seen the first series about five times all the way through i just literally and they're in that like half an hour long so you can sit and watch the whole series in one evening mm-hmm. uh, but there's some of the in the, the, in the time like it takes you to watch the irishman yeah, yeah mm. exactly but yeah there's some yeah there's some bits that i just every time i think of that makes me chuckle oh oh no th- 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 that's good that's good i love the fact that after we had the uh, after last week where we had you know the you essentially becoming Vesuvius about <laughs> after after we have something that now so like even in the backup we get something that you enjoyed I'm quite happy about that I'm quite happy about yeah, that yeah so I loved it so I would definitely give it for anyone else I'd say it's definitely a four but for me it was a five because I would I could quite happily sit and watch the whole thing again well you know what I'm going to give it a five because because Netflix is winning this week anyway, so might as well give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we go to the final thing that we see this week, and that is Sean with the public. The public, yeah. Yeah, the public. Now, this, I, I this I've the... heard nothing about. No, well, I mean, it was one of those films, as I say, I've, I've, I've got like the Sky Cinema one. It was another one that was on Sky Cinema. And it's something that if if... If I hadn't, if it hadn't have been on, and it was something that I sort of watched and, and grabbed my attention, then I probably wouldn't have even uh, even bothered about it. But basically, it's uh, the story is it's it's in Cincinnati, and there's this 
this big like uh, it's, it's a really really cold snap and mm-hmm. there's this there's this public library which um you know some of the homeless people go in and uh, obviously read and then they but they decide that they're going to have a sit-in and a bit of a rebellion and um so yeah so it becomes a bit of a what starts off as them just shutting the doors and then it, it sort of uh you get all the the officials come in and the police and there's a negotiator and you've got oh um Bilo Estevez, he's like the librarian. And it's so basically, it's like a, like a, a bit of a standoff siege type thing with all these homeless people and, uh, or, and people with mental issues. And, and they're all in this, this public library, and you've got all the media coming outside. And there's a really horrible reporter that obviously reminds me a bit. Let's, let's just say it's like a, a, the outside scene's a bit like Die Hard, you know, where you've got all the people oh, yeah, turning yeah, up yeah, and yeah, all yeah. the media yeah. and all that. So it's a bit like the Die Hard thing, but they're, they're shut in and then it becomes all, you know, uh, I want to, you know, let's have some pizzas. We need some food and everything like that. And it becomes this sort of, um, it's quite, it's quite good really. Cause it deals with a lot of issues. And I mean, there's a, there's a few, there's Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. um, and a few, uh, a, there's quite a few, few stars in this. Um, yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, looking at the cast list now, even just the poster and I'm like, Oh, wow. This is yeah. It, it, you've got you, you've mentioned Alec Baldwin, Emily Estevez, Taylor Schilling, Krista Slater, Gabriel Union, Michael K. Williams, Jeffrey Wright. This is like it's a stacked cast. It is a stacked cast, and it's 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 it was it was a really really good movie, really really interesting movie. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, I think the characters were incredibly well developed. You know, it's it's. Um, yeah, it was good. It was one of those films that you just need to sort of watch. You would love it, Sharon. I'm sure you would. I'm sure this would be, this would be something that you'd enjoy. You know, so. But yeah, it's quite funny because uh, also there's the bit where with with Baldwin is is his son is there. He goes, "Oh, is my is my boy in there?" And oh, Estevez is like, "No," and shuts the door. But he, but he is in there. So and it becomes it becomes this real, yeah. Um, a real dilemma with all these public officials and they don't want to offend or they do want to offend and they're saying, should we go in? Should we send the police in? Should we send the, and you've got people saying, no, you can't do that. So yeah, basically it's, uh, it's, it's really different. You know, it's really different. It's not like, I suppose, I, I don't know what to say about the well, characters. Well, well, okay. it, it's now this is the thing. It's, I'm not sure whether you realize, but obviously MNSV is in the film, but he also wrote it and directed it. And, uh, and he seems to do these big ensemble films. Like I know he did a film called Bobby that was all about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. Like what happened on that night, and and it is like one of these things that has all these casts and everything. And I think he's actually quite a good filmmaker. That but that gets overlooked because he's Emilio Estevez and he was part of the Brat Pack in the eighties, and he was he was supposed to be a pretty boy. So yeah. Uh, so once I hear ensemble cast Emilio Estevez, I'm thinking, okay, I think this is this is going to be well drawn out. Like you know, well. It's, it's good, good quality, it, yeah. Yeah, good it's, quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, and it really is. It really is. It's like, um, you know, all, all the cast are believable as well. Even yeah. even good old Baldwin. He's going to out-act. I always love that. He's going to out-act Alec Baldwin. The best. So, <laughs> it's uh, Alec yeah. Baldwin. It's oh the best God. actor in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I always like... I for, can never, for, for any uh, apologies... I'll just say apologies to anybody who has not seen Team yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that every time I see it, it doesn't matter. Every time I see a film with Alec Baldwin, <laughs> I can't help but think of that. Think of Team America. I just really, really can't help but think of Team America. So yeah. But no, I I think this is a great film. Um, really, really good. And and uh, I mean, I would give this a four star. I would give this a four star. Oh, good really, really. It really, really surprised me. You know, I was, I was really, really surprised at how, how, how good this was. And it's something that probably would have not even been on my radar. You know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't just sat and catch um, it. I've got to be honest with you. I have never heard of this film. No, no, never heard of this. Film. I have. No. Uh, yeah, twenty eighteen. Never heard of it. And. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the kind of film that ooh, okay it was released in the United States. It might not have been released over here, but um, ah. it's and it's the kind of film that well until cine, c- cinemas shut down because there's nobody watching any films. <laughs> it's the kind of film that you would hope would get its day in the sun nowadays in the cinema, even though like you know the 
like in 2018, yeah. we it disappeared without a trace. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. So, I just can us. I just say can I just yes. ask one thing? I know going back to extraction, how many stars did you give extraction? I can't. Remember. I believe remember? I gave extraction three stars. Three stars, yeah, yeah. I, I I quite enjoyed that. I tried to find some things wrong with it, and there may be a couple of issues, but yeah, I'd agree. I, in fact, yeah, it's got to be three stars. Got to be three yeah, stars. Yeah, because, nearly, because... nearly a four. Yeah, I remember saying that. I remember saying that um, when when I watched Extraction, saying that I think that you would like Extraction because you did. You told me, yeah, you told me, yeah, yeah. because because of the action scenes. They have a you know that bit about John Wick, how you like the action scenes. You're like, Wick, oh my god, yeah. the double tap! Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and you can see in, in <laughs> the action, you can see in the action <laughs> scenes in the action scenes of Extraction. You could see that they thought about this and this. And I was looking at he's going. This looks like they've actually consulted some military person to say Personally. how would you act in this situation. Yeah. I think Sean would like that. And, and you I, did. And I, yeah, you did tell me. You did tell me. I remember yeah. now. Yeah, you said you need to see this, and, yeah. and I'm glad I did because it's good. Yeah, but but I, I also said that it was quite a predictable action film. Like it had yeah. all the beats that you will expect. Yeah. Like somebody shows up and you're like, and that's the guy who's going to betray them. That is. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's. That <laughs> 15, you get that 15, in everything, don't you? Yeah. Fifteen minutes later. <laughs> oh my God! He betrayed them. Who saw that yeah. coming? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it made no bones about what it was, did it? Really, it was. Just yeah, it fine. really did. If you like really action didn't. films, this, you know, it's, 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 it's a good one, and it's uh, nice uh, to see. Uh, nice to see Chris Hemsworth playing an Australian rather than an I agree. American. I agree with yeah. that, and, and, I, and I, I think he quite enjoyed it. I think he yeah. quite enjoyed being Australian, and, and and I quite like the Saju character, who was essentially like the Indian Terminator. So, yeah, 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 <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. Pretty much the Indian Terminator. Terminator, uh, yeah. And, and I still maintain that I think it would have been a more interesting film if it if it had been from his point of view. Yes, but yes. I, I think point. it would have been a much more interesting film if the film had been from his point of view. But but anyway, I'm just so sort of like plagiarizing myself and just rehashing my previous extraction <laughs> <laughs> review. <laughs> which you can find on uh, shows i'm pretty sure it was one of our lockdown shows yeah go find it go find it it's, it's on there it's all good stuff listen to the three of us prattle on for about an hour or most of that, even 90 <laughs> minutes that uh, like we have done here and if you've gotten this far into the podcast we want to say thank you thank you for listening well <laughs> yes thank you well done go to the cinema watch something because if we can keep them open it would be good but i'm not so sure if we can keep them open and all remain safe at the same time it's uh, it's a dilemma <laughs> I might dilemma. just have to buy sweets to bring home and just say like, okay, just buy a pack, buy a pack of sweets because they make more money out of sweets than they do selling tickets yeah. often. So it's like okay, just go and buy seats to save the cinema. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, school. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but until next week, when I promise to try and have some sleep before doing the podcast, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And it's a bye from me. <laughs> Thank you very much. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>